Today we talk 60s, 70s and 80s rock, as well as a little bit of mental well-being as we chat to Des Staunton, one half of the fabulous Lemon Drops on Benny Asking People Questions. Today I chat to possibly one of my biggest surprises to date. One often has a preconceived idea of most things they enter into, but I have to say none have been exceeded quite as confidently as today's guest. Their music is truly a poetic and deeply nostalgic nod to mid-80s and early 90s, but not in a jangly guitar kind of fashion, but more the surprising celebration and happiness that often is found in that era. This is a band that truly knows what it means to be lifted and to lift people. Presenting themselves as the ultimate road trip music and a genuine love and ideology of slowness children could all benefit from. Done as if by magic through guitars, bass and drums. But then I guess they should know how. They tour exhaustively and have committed their lives to the teaching and celebration of children. It is of no wonder they have to they have a grasp on what children can benefit from, and it's of no wonder it features so strongly in what they do. I am speaking about the fabulous Lemon Drops out of Brisbane, and I'm joined by one half, Des Staunton. Hi, Des. Thanks for sitting there patiently and uh, letting me get through that. That was quite big, that little intro. Hi, Benny. <laughs> Thank you. And after that introduction, I think I need a drink. Yeah, I know. That was like that. Uh, I think I think that's like one of those cases where things look much better on paper than they do uh, when, you, when you try to say it out loud. I guess what I was trying to get to is, um, yeah, I really love the music. I'm kind of a little bit obsessed with your music, I have to say. Um, okay. I, I just like, as I said, as I said, quite um, convolutedly in that intro, it's got this real, it's, it's like designed to drive down the coast with the window down and making ways with your hands. It's, it's got, it's, it's a really, it's so relaxed despite it being heavily guitar, drums and bass and, and, and all those kind of rock elements. It's, it's a real, it's very weirdly gentle in a way. Is that kind of how you hear it or not? Um, Gentle, that's a really interesting um, word, actually. Gentle, I don't really know. I, I like the image of driving down the road, you know, like um, wind in your hair, kind of on, the, on the, the, the image of that, like, really appeals to me. We've always tried to be very, try and make the music really gutsy and real and use live instrumentation. Mm. I've always been very aware, though. I mean, as a trained teacher, we have to be, uh, you know, there's certain things that I've learned, like, for example, that I'm six foot two, so that I was always told when I was actually training that I had to sit down and be on the same level of the kids. Mm -hmm. And when I was reading stories, I was always told that I needed to be more animated and this kind of thing. So when it came to actually making the music, I was very concerned about the, the, the impact that it might have. And we wanted to make music that, that like, um, essentially the kids would be receptive to, but that wasn't too dull, if you know what I mean. It's like mm. um, I didn't want, I wanted to make sure that it did have a general sound because I didn't want to put the kids off. But I do remember when I was, I mean, I've got a very good long-term memory. My short-term memory is terrible, but my long-term memory is really good. And I remember many, many years ago playing my mother's record collection. And I, it was before I went to, before I went to school and I was, dancing to the Beatles and the Stones and all this sort of stuff, the kinks and, and this sort of music I loved. So I remember thinking, um, you know, the kids, like, I'm sure, and I certainly know when I go into the classroom, my electric guitar and turn it up, 
that the kids like to rock, so to speak. Mm. They don't mind a little bit of volume. They don't mind a little bit of attitude. But at the same time, if you go too far, then you you lose that balance and it can the parents might switch it off. So so if we are sounding gentle, that's probably a good thing, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and and I certainly don't mean gentle like um, you know, the the, the music's all calm and I mean it's it, mm. it's got it's got a very strong backbone, it's got a strong mm. presence and it's and it's very strong mm. musically, but it, it feels I don't know, I was just really surprised. I don't know, it's, it, it was really calming. Like I really generally was just like I just kind of want. I my immediate image was sitting in the front seat of the pass the passenger of a car with my feet out the window as I you know. But <laughs> I don't think that's it's not a great image to be painting nowadays because I think that's a three hundred thousand dollar fine. And I'm so happy to be me. So very happy to be me. Cause there's no better way. I think it's impossible to discuss your music, Des, without really drawing upon your influences and your history. Because, mm. like, I, you know, I start with a song like I'm Happy to Be Me, oh, okay. um, which is your latest latest single, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and it's like a, it's a, it is a beautiful nod to the the what I will naively refer to as the genre that you seem to be, you know, you've got the, the, the guitar solo is beautiful, the harmonies are beautiful. It's got that real... I guess late 80s kind of Jesus and Mary Chain of Pixies thing. Mm, but then there's got mm. this Elliot Smith thing happening and then there's this Daniel Johnston thing and then there's Beatles for Sale in there. Like it seems to be a real, it's a real celebration of the things that clearly you are moved by musically. And and that's across all your music, I think. Everything that the Lemon Lemon Drops do is mm-hmm. I I mean I guess we have to establish what are your influences? What what do you try to get out of your music with the Well that's a great question. I think that um the laid back thing may be partly my personality. I'm I'm always described as very laid back. So that might have come across in the music a little bit as well. But in terms of the the music, I've also I've always believed that um it's really important to try and be as original as you can. And we all have influences, but what we've always tried to do, um, Vanessa and I, is um listen to as much music as we can mm-hmm. and try and just like just kind of not have any main influence as such but try and blend everything together to create our own sound it's very important to like have an original sound there's lots of different bands in there but to to some of my favorite bands 60s would probably be like the birds um uh, they'd be like the doors the beatles the stones the kinks the who that sort of thing then we get in the 70s it was mark boland david bowie and then it was Mm. the punk thing the pistols the clash the jam particularly, I, I saw their uh, I saw them many times. I got their autographs when I was very young. <laughs> we get into the 80s. A lot of people underrate the 80s, but when I think mm. of the 80s, I think of The Cure and I think of the psychedelic furs and mm. I think of, you know, the only ones and the pretenders. There was some fabulous, Echo and the Bunnymen, there were some fabulous bands in the 80s. Mm. And then in like the 90s, maybe the, I, I liked a lot of the Britpop stuff. Like, But mm. I've always been a very song person. It doesn't really matter about the genre as such. It, it's more about the song. So it doesn't matter if it's heavy rock, if it's Thin Lizzy or Guns N' Roses, if I like the music or if it's, um, you know, um, Tamla Motown, I, I, I love it. As long, I'm a very, very song person. So, um, yeah, it's we write a lot of songs, Vanessa and I, and what we do then is we try and pick 
um, the best from what we have. And, and with the with the latest album's got 12 songs, but it was picked from a pool of about 80 songs that we do. We yeah. write a lot of songs. The stars, they shine in the sky. The moon is clear and bright. The tiny children sleep in bed. We wish them good night. But Sarah... But it's all, it's all there. I mean, I, I think yeah. that's the thing. Like, I, it is original in this idea that, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It, it was, I think, I think for me, and this is just me personally, I wouldn't suggest this would be for everyone, but I felt immediately, it was immediately nostalgic for me and mm. not for any particular time or place. I just kind of went, I feel like I've just been with this music for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, what does make it very different though, is it's probably the first time I've really heard that kind of sound attributed to children's music. And I guess one of the biggest yeah. things, one of the biggest things that people obviously come unstuck with, particularly when they're using a full band is, and, and, and in that, I, I don't want to use, it's not distorted guitar, but it, you know, it's, 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 um, you know, it's a bit of it's a, there's a bit of a wall of sound happening, mm-hmm. um, but you, the, your your vocals and your lyrics there's a huge amount of clarity in everything you're doing, and that's the thing that separates children's music mm-hmm. to most things. How much when you were first setting out to do what you're doing, how how much of that did you think about that from a production space? Did you think to yourself, look, this is a music I want to make, but I need to make sure these the lyric on my voice is still out there. I guess some people often do children's music from the perspective of the music they want to write, and some people come at it from going, "It need." I've got to remind myself that this is for a certain type of listener. Mm. Yeah, that that's a good question. I think what we actually did was we we wanted essentially to play the music that we loved, but we we decided that we wanted to play to the kids, but we didn't want to play kids' music. So what we did was we aimed the image at the kids. So mm-hmm. we, 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 as I've, I, as I mentioned before, you know, when I would, I figured that if I liked, if I was listening to She Loves You and I was listening to um, uh, My Generation when I was four, then it stood to me, you know, made me realize that the kids' music is a bit of a contrived genre as such. There's just music for us. And so what we mm-hmm. wanted to do, we wanted to play to the kids. But we have a teddy bear on bass and we have a frog on the drums, you know, <laughs> you and, and like, uh, so the kids just when we do play live, we really rock out and yet they love and they dance to it because they see that they see the mascots, they see the image and they accept the image. And as soon as they accept the image, they enjoy the music as well. So you can actually um, um, not get away with, but you can actually, it's a wonderful genre for so many reasons. I mean, you get to play gigs in the morning when I was in a rock band, it was just oh, way so all true, day right? 10 o'clock. So, and also like um, there's so many wonderful things there's no alcohol and drugs around it's a very clean Mm. sort of industry which we love as well and uh, it's very uncontrived and another really great thing about it as well is there's so much that's not been done because rock and roll goes right back to the 1950s you know like Mm. really i think of it from elvis buddy holly it's been around a long time you know whereas kids music is is quite an exciting genre because if you really think back to the 90s there was hardly any bands at all that were doing music. so it's relatively new so there's so much that's not yet been done there's so much experimentation Mm. that you can do with artwork with music with sound so i feel that we're, we're just in the in the beginning at the moment of what's actually possible. And I think in a few years time, um, kids music will change and, and there'll be a few uh, artists that will really revolutionize the actual genre. Come raise your voices, let's all hear you sing. Let's all hear you sing. 
Let's all hear you sing. Let's make good choices. We want to hear you sing. So come along and sing to the sound. You're all in. I mean, I've always been like as well a fan. I, I sort of see myself as a fan first that plays music. And I'm always interested, like yourself, I'm interested in discovering new bands. And mm. I've looked at some of the artists, particularly in New Zealand, and there's some really, really interesting music being played. And they're really pushing the boundaries of what's actually possible. Whereas when you see that, you know, rock and roll now, it's like, uh, like Bowie said, the same old thing in brand new drag. It's starting to go around in circles a little bit, you know. Mm. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I look. Let's be honest. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think. I think we have. I think there's a different thirst from the parents as well. We're having a generation of people wanting different things. I think mm. for children mm. and. Um, and I think a lot of the artists that are writing for children are realizing that and seeing the opportunity to actually do the things that maybe potentially they'd only dreamt of doing back in their um, oh. lounge rooms. Oh. Um, it just going back to writing 450,000 songs and having to pick two, do you, <laughs> um, you've, you've had two, three years of singles more or less. Why, yeah, yeah, why really. the delay in an album? Uh, yeah. Well, that's just financial um, in terms of, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so when it comes to actually doing the album, um, I like to get it uh, mixed properly. I like to get it mastered properly. Yeah. And um, I might use the odd session musician that can be a little bit expensive. Mm. And then obviously, you know, um, we were actually probably, if you go back just before the pandemic, we were, doing, we were up to doing maybe 100 gigs a year and we were like, pretty much self-financing the album and the album should have come out a lot earlier but when we couldn't get them gigs we ran out of money we had no money because of the mm. pandemic and and so what actually happened was that it's just a financial thing that we don't put more stuff out I mean I could probably release seven or eight albums if I had the money to do it yeah and we've never had a grant or anything because we don't really want to be answerable to anybody so we always put it out ourselves and you know like these grants they've forms and they've 50 pages and then you've got to put their logo in your album and all this yeah of course yeah so yeah the answer really is just really financial i mean if i had the resources you know then um it'd be endless i'd put out i'd put out loads of and there's also again i think it was um the guy from tears for fears who's i think it might have been kurt smith i think his name is he actually said that and i agreed with him he said if everybody make most of the stuff that comes out is is rubbish and like he said that if people made less records, then it might be a good thing because he was talking about Tears for Fears album, which mm. was the Seeds of Love. And he said maybe some of this stuff and the pap that was coming out, you know, like that was getting into the top 30 in the UK anyway around that time mm. was just mm. absolutely shocking. And um, <laughs> so he was saying maybe we should put out less records. And Bono also said, I thought it was interesting, he said that when he was listening to music, he'd always felt two bad albums in a row and you were gone. Yeah. You know, and it's true. If you have an artist that you love and they do two, you'll give them one bad album. You think, oh, maybe they'll come back again. Yeah. But if it's two, then you'll just write them off. And I've done it. I did it with Bowie even. You know, he. Yeah. Like, I love Bowie. I was a huge Bowie fan through the 70s. I thought he made the best music that anybody had ever made. And then when he put out, what was the album? Um, I think it was the let's dance i found that really commercial a lot of people disagree with me and then he came out with some glass spider or something and then he was mm. gone and he, he's literally and there's been other bands i think the psychedelic furs who i loved their first mm. four or five albums and then they put out an album called midnight to midnight and then they had another one that i didn't like and i literally didn't listen to the others so i think that i think it's probably a combination of 
not always having the funds to do it and also being aware that people don't really yeah, want don't to listen to all this music that we got. But if we yeah. put an album out every now and then, then we'll, you know. Help mom cause she's kind to you. Help dad when he asks you to. Help nan cause she may rely on you. Your YouTube page has quite a lot of quite a lot of yeah. content on it. Mm-hmm. And we are living in a bit of a generation where people are expecting, you know, going back to the idea that two bad albums and you're gone, people are like, if you don't have something out weekly, they've almost lost interest in you. Yeah. And although you're you're not releasing music as often, you do seem to have quite an online presence on your YouTube thing, at least from yeah, the outside. Mm, so mm. are you are you trying to keep to something? Like, I mean, do you sort of say to you to each other at least once a month we need to release something? At least once a week we need to have something out on YouTube. Do you follow anything like that, or do you really just no, do it when you don't. go? We have something to put out. Let's put it out. Yeah, we, we don't take it that seriously, the, the YouTube, the social media stuff, like we do the, the albums. I think I'm very old-fashioned in that sense. Mm. So uh, um, when it, like our new album, it, I try to get it sounding perfect, you know, and, and um, it, the production is very high standard. But with, with the YouTube stuff and with the social media stuff we do, we tend to put bits and pieces out just when we're when we've got time to do it really and and yeah. we don't really take it that seriously as um we're not like a youtube band but when we've got a little bit of time like we had a little bit of time in the holidays during the pandemic and we just oh let's just put a few videos out but it's not yeah. something that i mean i forget you know i always think in terms of albums and i was thinking but and, and live shows but i forget that a lot of people are mainly interested in social media and youtube and that sort of thing and yeah. i don't really really care much about <laughs> <laughs> i no, just don't i, I, I mean I, I, I must say i find it a bit exhausting it's yeah. all a bit and we certainly don't try and do it weekly or do have any sort mm-hmm. of we just make mm-hmm. it up as we go along and, and yeah. we might leave it we might do a lot of stuff and then just ignore it for a while you know we don't have any sort of formula or anything we're always getting emails where there's you can break this algorithm or break that algorithm and i'm i'm just not interested yeah sure sure, i'm only really interested in the in the music and um so youtube just a bit yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a gimmick. You can put something up, have a bit of a laugh, but we don't take your reasons. I mean, unless um, unless finding that algorithm means that you end up being, you know, the saviour of the universe on the computer side and you and it turns into be the matrix, that's about the only time algorithms mm. seem appealing. I see a shooting star, it's travelled oh so far, lighting up the night sky on its way. It moves at the speed of light, leaving a trail so bright. Oh, how I wish it would stay. Let's fly like shooting star, fly like a shooting star, fly like a shooting star today. Let's all fly like shooting star, where can us all so far? Fly like shooting star today. I see you. There's this really beautiful thing on the front of your website, on your about website, uh, on your website, sorry, on the about page, and it says, the mental well-being of children is an ongoing issue, even more so now in these uncertain times. As educators and musicians, we passionately believe in the power of arts engagement to improve mental health. Through a Mm. wide range of interactive music, concerts, and creative workshops, we aim to spread a message of positivity and kindness providing opportunities for healthy self-expression. That's really quite a specific kind of 
statement or manifesto, I guess. And it comes across in the music more so than I imagine. One of the biggest things about your music is I didn't realise how much of that kind of music I had sort of been around in the that 80s and 90s kind of era. All of a sudden seeing it through the light of what you were doing, I, I, I never really caught on it actually how positive that music was. I always just saw... I more or less saw people in in certain clothing looking all a bit, you know, dragging themselves around and dragging themselves out of bed and walking down the street and whatever they woke up in. But then it is a, it was actually a really positive period of time and it's really captured in your music. Is that something you work hard for or is that just you naturally? Yeah, well, I think that the mental health area is something that we are very passionate about. I mean, I personally, when I first, um, I remember when I was a teenager and I was going through a lot of teenage angst issues and I remember I used to go home and I just could not wait to play my bass guitar, you know, mm. and I found it so therapeutic. And I always had this idea that music made you feel good, you know, and, and when I think about my life, I've always, when I've ever felt down or anything I've always I've always gone to music I've always put music on whether it be you know Pink Floyd is is one of the go-to areas I go to I'd put on um uh, Wish You Were Here or something to sort of heal the wounds and I feel that uh, music is well we both feel very strongly that music um is so important for general men mental well-being and as children's entertainers we've got you know a, a real opportunity to express mm. that which we tend to do i mean it's cathartic it's uh, exhilarating it, it's just uh, i think music is is just so important to um for general mental well-being and so it's something that we we put out there because we we don't think it's we think it's very, very important. We think it's even underrated, particularly in schools. I mean, there's a lot of schools mm. that underrate the music program when, when actual fact music is everything. It's And how you feel, you know, essentially in your life is your life. Mm. And if music makes you feel great, then your life's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it so can true. be quite simple. So, yeah, I think that that area. And also, you know, we were talking about social media um, and this kind of thing. I think there's a lot of, angst around at the moment i think young mm. young people are exposed to a lot of things that we certainly weren't and um i think it's it's an area that that's becoming increasingly important so we want to be right at the center of any any mental uh, well-being mm. kind of um sentiments uh, yeah. do you do do you do you feel you do that just through the music you write or do you do that like for example when you're doing a, uh, a performance for children because um, you Both, do mainly yeah. you do mainly primary schools, don't you? Is that that's kind of your main gig? Oh, we just we just do we'll just do we whatever. Just do, we just do whatever comes. We do country shows. We do um, we do do schools. We do we used to do shopping centers. We don't do those much now, but we do a lot of festivals. We uh, mm. Christmas shows and and that kind of thing. But we find that. I think when we actually do, we've got a lot of a lot of songs that are very sort of. Um, physical because because Vanessa's a PE teacher she's very mm. good when it comes to writing lyrics about movement so I'd write a, a, some music and she'd grab all the lyrics and go okay we're gonna go I jump you jump she and she's great at sort of um, putting lyrics out that are very active so we've got songs like copy me so when, mm. when when we do when we do the concerts we found that it's really easy to get the kids moving so you know like if you sing a song like I jump you jump he jumps and you put a really 
you know, bouncy beat underneath it. And you get all the kids just jumping out of their skin. And that's a great thing to see for us. And it's a great experience for them. But also when we're writing the lyrics, there's there's a certain depth as well, like um, let the children play. I mean, I don't know how familiar with our music, but sometimes mm. you can say things within the music that are empowering mm. for children in the lyrics. Can't think of an example, but I know that <laughs> yeah, I'm any, sure I did. <laughs> any, any opportunity that we get to sort of like, you know, like um put something in a lyric that 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 a young person might be able to respond to or be empowered by, I think it's quite important. And I I certainly know as well as a teacher when I'm at school, I think I've got so much power because these kids yeah. are in the classroom. I remember what teachers said to me back in the back in the 70s and and like, you know. You can one positive sentence to a, to a student, you can see the whole face just light up, and they can mm. maybe even remember that for the rest of their life. So, so yeah, it's a bit of a two pronged attack. Live, make sure there's lots of movement and everything else. And in the lyric, we try and write empowering lyrics that that'll help kids to um, be happy. Essentially, I like to ride my bike on my way to school. I like to ride my exciting and so cool and when i'm on my way i take care as i go i'm always very careful because there's something that i Yeah, it's, I think that's a really lovely way of putting it. I think I think we, as performers for children, we we do, I think we do grossly, on occasion, I think we grossly misunderstand how much power we have and how much mm. people mm. are looking. And it doesn't mean you saying the wrong thing will have a huge impact, but you don't realise how much saying the right thing yeah, that's can be, thing, you know, yeah. and exactly what you're saying about, you know, the right teacher, even the right song. I mean, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I have favourite songs, but I have favourite lyrics. And for whatever reason, that lyric meant something to me and I've just carried it for the rest of my life. And, and teachers are the same and, and things like that. Always wear my helmet, that's the safest way. I always wear my helmet. In a live show, are you, you you're travelling with the, with the band, or is do you use any playback? I can't imagine that would be your. Bag. Well, we tend to we tend to um, do um, when we do the the live the live shows. We we find it difficult because if we're travelling way out of Brisbane, it's convenient for just Vanessa and I to, yeah. to just go up ourselves, you know. And so we'll have like um, we, we do you back in we do use backing tracks, but when we do like closer to home, we tend to use the band. But um, yeah, I think um, yeah, it, ideally, I'd like to go back to just a, a touring band, but it becomes it's as you mm. know yourself, it's quite difficult to organise. Yeah. You know, like, well, that's the difference, isn't it? Because I think, like you're saying before, the, the the good things about children's music is like all the gigs are early and it's finished mm. early and all that sort of thing. But the the downside is your band is usually made up of parents, and they're yeah. a lot harder to yeah. <laughs> to oh, wrangle yeah. free time out of. 
Yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, when I was a kid, I, mean, I was very young. You could rehearse any time you wanted. Yeah, it was always totally. available. But the older you get, there's always somebody's <laughs> doing something. It's almost impossible. I mean, I actually I actually have another band. We've never done a gig, but we, we don't even have a name. And we've been going for like seven years. It's <laughs> funny. And we just turn up on a Saturday and we just jam and we write music. And, and, like, um, and we've never actually managed to perform or actually record anything but we've got all these songs that are half written and we just get together basically as we're mates and we hang out yeah. but it's we can't always get we, the, the, we've we're like a six piece and we we haven't had the full band for maybe three months <laughs> you know because someone's always doing something so it's just okay. the way it is you know but that's oh, absolutely I've got, I've got friends that i have to explain in great detail that it's just you'll never hear from me on the weekend Mm-hmm. That I'm just making dinners and driving kids around and cleaning. It just won't happen. So, you know, leave it, leave it till Monday. I just want to jump in quickly as well, because I just remembered something about we're talking yeah. about lyrics. We do actually have a, a an environmental album which we wrote, which was Vanessa's idea, where mm. we're actually trying to make a difference in terms of saving the planet. And we had a lot of songs that were specifically written with like sort of um ideas like reduce reuse recycle and you know saving water and all this kind of stuff and every single track on the album was specifically aimed at children to you know make sure they were environmentally active so yeah that's another thing that well, we've done as well. that that's that was quite early on in the piece wasn't it yeah that was yeah, quite a while ago yeah yeah um yeah. Every, everything's gone green in 2019 it, yeah. is that the album yeah because obviously before, I mean, that was your second album and oh. I was listening to Fun, Laughter, Dance, which was your yeah. first your first oh, album, yeah. which is 2007. So, you know, we're talking, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, what yeah. is that, 15 years ago now? Yeah, it is. I know, right? God, that just happens too quick. But, the, I mean, one thing that was really lovely about listening to that music and then jumping back to, you know, your later singles is... I didn't actually hear your music had changed much. What I found had changed was it's almost like the first album you kind of did the things that people often do when they first do a children's album. You know, they yeah. go, let's have lots of movement in there. Let's have a, you know, let's let's tick off, you know, that you don't have one, but, you know, like, you know, the, the eating vegetables song and so on and so forth. Mm. Um but then musically it was all there. The elements were there. The the beautiful, uh, your choruses just, they just kill me. I, I just love the choruses from the Lemon Drops. It's just such amazing, amazing music. Um, but all that was there. It just seems 15 years later what you've done has just kind of really worked out what you want to say or what you're trying, not trying, but you, you're kind of a bit more confident about what you want to yeah, do that's now. Right, yeah. Do that's you right. feel that? Like, do you feel the first album was really just a, hey, this yeah. could could be a good thing to try, let's give it yeah. a go, and then, yeah. mm. you know, by, by all these years later, you kind of go, actually, you know what, we're really confident now of what we're trying to get across. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. When we started out, I'd been in a rock band before and I'd had a record contract with mm. a band called Dub Chapter and we'd played like all over the world and, you know, done all sorts of stuff. And and so I'd taken time out and I'd um, retrained to be a teacher. And we what we originally formed the band, it was only going to be one gig. And um, we just decided to do a little concert for our daughter's eighth yeah. birthday. And uh, so what what happened was uh, after the concert, a lot of the parents came up and they said, oh, you guys are great, you should do this. And we were really surprised because it was just a bit of fun. And back then we just had cover versions. So so we sat down and we thought, well, maybe we could do something with this. So we we actually um, 
started to look for cover versions to do. And then we started getting really paranoid that we'd get libelous, you know, that we were doing these cover versions. And I'd never been in a cover version band. And we always wrote, my brother and I always wrote our own music. We've always done that. So um, what actually happened was that Vanessa said we, the strange thing was the first song that we ever wrote was called Goodbye, because she said we should have a goodbye song. And I remember sitting sitting with my guitar and I just started strumming and I just just put this little ditty together in about 20 minutes. And I just put my guitar and I was shocked. And I said, oh my goodness. I just remember thinking, that's a kid's song. And it really sounded like a kid's song. And I was shocked because mm. I didn't know I could do it. I didn't know I could write a kid's song. You know, like we were writing songs about what everybody's writing about, drinking and girls and whatever mm. it might be. And, mm. and, um, and all of a sudden it was my favorite train or whatever it might be. And I realized that I had a certain sort of melodic pop sensibility that could craft these these little ditties. So we fun life to dance was written like once we've done one, I tried to do another, try to do another. And within about a week, I'd like 15 songs. And I thought, oh, this is really exciting. We should record an album, you know. So in those days, it was very much like, oh, we can do this. You know, we we're just experimenting. But when we found how much we loved doing the the music, and as the years went by, we just particularly on this new album it's now it's more about right we're going to make the music we want mm. this is the way we want to sound we're completely in control we want to be original this is we're going to use all our influences we're going to we're really on top of the whole music it's taken a long time but um yeah the first album was just very experimental we were just happy to be doing it at all because mm. we just, we're just happy to be playing music and so yeah that's the difference i guess the pop sensibility is the same but i think what's happening is we take we we're a bit more in charge of our sound and in charge of the way we want to sound the way we want to look we've had such fun in the time that we've been here made brand new friends and found so much good cheer now that it's time for us to have to go with no regrets Going back to that really nice, you know, the the, the nice paragraph you have, um, the thing about mental well-being and things like that. It's not that it's not there in the first album, mm, mm. but it is, it is, it's very strong in the last x amount of years. Like I can, it's it's so strange because it's not it's not necessarily lyrically it is there, but there's something about the music itself is just really really joyful and something I really wasn't prepared for. Right. I think like I didn't I didn't realize just how. Yeah, I, I, I like I had to remind myself that I was listening to it. Because <laughs> I kind of wanted to just go and you know dig a hole in the sand or something. I don't know. It was just it was just very. I don't know. It's, it's like going back to something really gentle about its positivity. And I think that's mm. what I'm trying to say. There's nothing gentle about the actual music. It, there's something really gentle about the, the, the way that well-being is presented in the music. Um, and it's real, it's a real, yeah, it's a real triumph. In in that sense, if you're talking about that well-being thing, and um, you, you know, you, it's you don't have to answer this one if you don't want to. 
But I was, I was listening to that um, How Do You Feel Today EP and yeah. you have Fly Like a Butterfly and it's obviously yeah. lyrically about a butterfly and all those kind of things. But, mm-hmm. I mean, is that is that if you go from that that mental well-being kind of thing, is that is that pretty safe to say that that's a bit of you reflecting on your childhood and kind of going, looking back, this is how, you know, if you're in the same boat, this is how you should see it? Or, or is it really generally just going, hey, that's what a butterfly does? Um, mm, that's a good question. I think that, um, hmm, I think it's, yeah, I think it maybe is, it does, it's, it's slightly reflective in a sense that there is a sort of, um, tendency to look back on your life and think, I wish I knew that then, you know, I wish I knew what I know now back then. And uh, yeah, in terms of growth, it, it is deeper than just it's a little butterfly. There's no doubt about that. I mean, a lot of our music does tend to have sort of you scratch the surface and there's more going on, certainly. So I'd say that the, 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 that particular EP was we, we actually used to do a lot of shows that were themed. So we we, mm. we actually found that we got more concerts when we when we could say to schools, look, we've got an environmental yeah, show, right. we've got a yeah. we and one of the teachers said, Do you have an emotions show? So we set about writing, oh, writing something that specifically was about emotions and empowerment. And I find personally that when you have something specific to write about, it's a lot easier because you can say, Okay, we need this to be about you know, feelings, emotions. Oh, so how yeah. do you feel today? And it, it flows better than when, yeah. than when you saw whistling in the dark, trying to find something. So, so that's really where that came from. A lot of the, a lot of the um, music was, was basically um, about, you know, just aiming it at certain themes so we could get concerts, we could get work. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We've got an emotion. So, so you should book us. You know. And here's what about trucks. You should book yeah. us for the construction uh, week. Just, just going quickly back to the YouTube thing and like when you've got a laugh and, you know, and, and then you'd sort of mentioned, you know, you, you do things when you just find things are fun to do. And then you touched on this whole idea of covers and stuff. I just want to quickly reference Five Finger Family on my mind and Baba Black Sheep Sunday morning. And um, those those things are amazing. I've, oh, never, okay. I've never known how much I needed them in my life <laughs> until I heard Five Finger Family done to Friday on my mind is, I don't know, you're going to have to, of everything you've done, that's the one I want to know most about. Why? How did, what happened? Were you just sitting on your couch and went, hey, do you know this almost sounds like this if I do this? Hey, that would be funny. Let's pretend to do that. Um. Yeah, it was I just noticed that a lot of bands were doing Finger Family and I just, and there were, um, and we thought that we'd try and do it as well, but we just thought we wanted to do it a little bit different. So we, we sort of sat down and we thought, well, maybe we could, we could change the tune on, on, and change the lyrics and on what we do. And it was just to be a bit of a joke, really. We were just trying, we were just, I mean, a lot of it is enjoyment. We have a real oh, life when we do it. That was nothing so but fun I just to me. thought, I think <laughs> one of the, one of the lyrics on Finger Family is where is somebody? And he goes, I don't know. I haven't got a clue or something. And, 
And so it was, we were sort of laughing doing it. So we, we just thought, blah, blah, black sheep. I, I, we did one that was, the, I can't even remember, but we did one to The Clash, I think it was. Some One was Elvis. Yeah, so you we did, just, oh, I've seen the Elvis one and the Sunday I think London Bridges might have been The Clash. It was London Bridges or something. <laughs> and, and we just decided yeah, to do about five and we we just didn't have anything better to do. So we said, well, why don't we just do this and we'll just do one like The Clash. We're doing like Elvis. I think we did Riders on the Storm, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. Oh, amazing. The, the, the mean, Doors. So I find it really easy to actually fit lyrics uh, into patterns of music. You know, I find it as a music teacher, I find it really easy to yeah. change lyrics and kind of fit them into musical patterns. So we just had a lot of fun with that. It was great fun. Yeah, we have had a lot of people say that they enjoyed those videos. I mean, they haven't oh, been viral cool. or anything, but they've been a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, no, they're 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 amazing. I mean, they'll go viral <laughs> when somebody finally <laughs> stumbles across the right person stumbles across it. Um, just a couple more questions because it's it's you know we're creeping up to the forty minute to an hour mark, which I greatly appreciate. And um, mm. but I, I kind of want to just quickly touch on your your blog, um, the Electric yeah. Kids um, mm-hmm. reviews. It's not. Being someone who kind of does that thing, that sort of thing as well, um, it's 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 a pretty rare. I don't think a lot of people really look past, particularly in children's music. I'm not sure people really look into it that deeply. Can I just ask? And this might even just go on for me personally as my ringtone. But why did you? What 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 made you want to explore children's music? Why did you feel like you wanted to know more about it? Why was it important for you to know more? And and why was it important for you to feel you wanted to share other people's music? Well, like I said before, I've I've always been a fan, and so when I went when I was interested in rock music, I remember I I went off with my mate Sid, and we went to see this band called The Police, who were playing at London Polytechnic. Uh, sorry, Leeds Polytechnic. There was only about 150 people there. Wow. And we actually saw the sound check. We were watching Sting and we were wow. sitting there leather jackets, you know. We went back to school and we're going, oh, we saw this band called The Police and they were just amazing. And, and everybody's like, who are they? You know, I never heard of them. And then six months later, they were the biggest band in the world. And the same with yeah. you too. I saw you two uh, at Bradford University. There could have only been about 150 people there. Wow. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this band are great. And I went back to school and I was going, you got to hear this band called you too. And they're going, you who, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And I've always loved sort of new music. Mm. So what happened was, I guess, when I actually started doing the kids' music, I thought, oh, okay, well, I'd only heard of the Wiggles and I'd heard of um, High Five mm. and I'd heard of, I think, the Hooli Doolies. And I thought there was only three bands. I really didn't know that, you mm. know, there was, the, I just had no idea. So when I started to start to look into it a bit further, I found out there was all these bands, you know, and I came across this band called Spikey and Friends. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No, I haven't. Well, that's the thing. Nobody's heard of them, but they had this album. I actually bought it and I played it in my music classes and it is the best kids album I have ever heard. It's absolutely fantastic. Mm. And we played with them at this festival called Rhymes Festival. And unfortunately I didn't get to meet the singer because we were busy trying to sound check and everything, but I really would like to have talked to him, but he made this album that was great. And it was so good that I just said to Vanessa, I've really, I just got to review this album. It's just so nobody's playing it. Nobody's heard it. Mm. And mm. I just think this album has got to be, yeah, yeah. it's justice must come to this great <laughs> band called uh, Spikey and Friends Away. Absolutely. You should just go and check it out. And yeah, I'll, absolutely. Anyway, so what happened was I put the blog up and it was a little bit like the band. I just thought I'd just do the one. But what happened then was that um, 
I got some albums sent then from America and people said, Oh, we saw your review and yeah, you know, would you like to review ours? So it won it took me by surprise a little bit. And I thought to myself, Oh, okay, I guess I'll review that. And and then I thought, and then I'll stop. And then it was next thing I was there was more reviews and then mm. more and then and so like it became sort of uh, I don't know, it it just had its own energy. So I just kept kept doing it. And I've always enjoyed like listening to new music. So I think what actually happened was I know that these these are great artists, so I like to go into depth because I know they go into depth. Mm. So I write it I write it really for them you know, to say I really appreciate what you've done and this is what I get out of it. And you know, I'm you know I'm really grateful that you're out there and you're doing it. And I also feel that it, we live in a bit of a sort of zero sum game, and you're probably aware of this. I mean, there's like you know the inequality in the world and everything. Mm. And there's Taylor Swift. I think I mean everybody loves Taylor Swift, but she's had something like 25 appearances on the Ellen show or something and mm-hmm. and like any band who had that type of coverage would probably do quite well and I've always yeah. been a bit of a battler for the underdog so I always mm-hmm. thought well I, I don't have much power I don't have any power but maybe I can help make a little bit of a difference you know with, with the music that doesn't get you know doesn't get heard or like yourself I suppose you know and it's well, something I've always done I've always been interested in doing you know yeah and I guess I mean there's this I mean there's so much in that that statement that I kind of want to respond to uh, like just in agreeance like I mean I think the thing about getting approached by all these other bands I mean I, I it's almost the same as me I did one mm-hmm. podcast and then just you know, getting contacted like you're saying from the states, from the New Zealand, and just kind of going, mm. why are these people? Cry? And then quickly realizing there just isn't anyone. There's nowhere. There's for, no, yeah, there's, there's no. There's nowhere for these people to go. And and the problem, and 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 the not problem, but the thing again, similarly to you, is you go. This, there is a there is an extraordinary amount of thought that goes into some of this yeah. music, you know. Mm. And and again, one of the biggest things I hear quite often when people uh twofold when i talk to new children's performers and and also when um they'll often say you know they started music because they became a parent themselves looked around and couldn't really find any decent music for children and and my Uh immediate response is it's there it's actually everywhere you just no one knows where to look for it uh, there's tons of it there. Uh, and the other one is um, when people say, you know, where where do I go? Like, you know, people often approach me and say, look, I've got a new album coming out. What what do I do? Where? And I have to just say, nowhere. There's just, there's nowhere to go. There's, there's, uh, there's all these things that the industry support, but it's really hard to go anywhere the parents are going to find you. Uh, which is your audience, you know, and 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 I guess it's like anything, you know, get on festivals, start playing live. But um, no, it's just uh, it's I'm glad it's it's interesting to hear your take on that because it is, I mean, it feels almost a carbon copy to me. There is just really good music out there that's not getting heard, and you know that you, uh, you're only so much, but you're just trying to do the a, a little bit towards it, you know. Uh, A new sound for a new generation And whatever your expectation You don't need an invitation Now 
it's been really awesome to talk to you. I kind of feel like we could talk <laughs> for quite a long time. Oh, yeah, and, I'm sure and eventually, could. and eventually just remove ourselves from children's music and just go on anyway. But I do, I do just want to ask, um, what's what with with the, with the string of singles with an enormous amount of songs with with a fifteen years with performing live with all the things you have learned reviewing other artists all those things. What do you what do you what can we expect as a listener from this new album, but more importantly, what what are the things that you're most proud about in this new album that that's coming out soon? Well, I think it's the album that that we've always wanted to make because um, I think it's uh, finally after so many years, um, I think that this this particular album I can actually I'm actually happy with it. I've never been happy with anything that, mm. that I've ever done before. I've always compromised. I've always sort of felt I didn't have enough time. Um, but I think with this new album, we're happy with all 12 songs. We're happy. We've we've finally honed the lyrics down to, you know, mm. as good as we can get them. I'm really happy with the instrumentation, the arrangements, the sound, everything. Yeah, I mean, like, and and it's and it's really good. I mean, like, bearing in mind, I come from I did an album back in 1990 with a band called Dub Chapter, and it was produced by Steve Hillage. And um and Mike Spencer engineered it, mm. and uh, that album cost I think fifty thousand pounds to make, and it was on the big studio and everything. And I always, I always hated it. I mean, I never liked the album. I thought it was terrible. <laughs> and um, <laughs> if you if you ever want to check it out, Dub Chapter Silence Coming yeah. in Exile. If you're an insomniac, then you should put it on. Uh, <laughs> but but I think I think with this new album. We're we're very very happy with the album and we're really excited about it. And we make the music like yourself. You just make the music that you want to make. Mm. Um, it's nothing to do with. Um, in fact, it was when I was actually in the studio all those years ago. We met a band, a Scottish band called The Big Dish, and we were in our twenties and they were in their mid thirties. And I remember them at that time. I was really interested in being famous and everything, and mm. rich and famous, and all the trappings that young people fall, you know, fall into. And they just were telling us, you, you guys just make the music you want to make. Don't take any notice of the record company. You make the music you want to make. That's the important thing. And I remember thinking, well, you've had a couple of albums out and you've not, you've not succeeded. And you're just mm -hmm. saying that because you're bitter, you know. But as the years went by, I realized they were right. It, as an artist, you, you, you always want to, to make a record. You hear a sound and you really want to try and achieve that sound. Um, uh, in fact, I heard a really interesting interview with... Um, Oh, what's I can't believe I can't remember the name of the Beatles producer. What's his name again? George Martin. George Martin, of course. Yeah. He said that he went for dinner with Yoko and John in the late 70s. And John Lennon apparently said that he he wasn't happy with anything he'd done. And George Martin said, What, but you did 300 songs. And he said, No, I wasn't happy with anything. What about Strawberry Feels Forever? He says, Oh no, especially that one. And so mm. I, I remember thinking, <clears throat> like, um, you always want to if you're interested in sport, I think John McEnroe said he always got really angry because he wanted to play the perfect tennis game and he never could. Mm. But mm. when he beat when he beat Jimmy Connors at Wimbledon, um, famously just beat him effortlessly, mm. he finally played this this great game. And and I think that I first started when I was 14. I got a bass guitar with a paper round, and it's taken me till now to actually finally make the music finally that I wanted to make. Mm. And I can die happy. So, what to expect <laughs> is um, 
is is yeah i'm very very happy with it i mean i i just think it's a it's a really good album i don't like to talk about myself which is part of the reason that i do reviews because it's a lot easier to to talk about others talk about other but Mm. so what to expect is is a really good album that's original and that is is um swimming in pop sensibility and i suggest you check it out because um yeah i think it's i think it's a great album i really do i'm very happy with it and it doesn't matter um really at the end of the day how many people stream it or whatever because i think as sting said music brings its own own reward Mm. so if you make that make music that you really want to make that you're happy with then that brings you so much fulfillment and so Mm. much there's so much joy in that i think that's the Mm. main thing you know um so yeah well that's that's yeah long answer to a very short question (laughs) that's um that's that's amazing and uh certainly certainly gives us some some um excitement to tuck away for when it comes out um look i want to say thank you again for joining me today des and and filling me in on it all um and it is it's great it's really as i said i I kind of it's nice it's nice to listen to something and i like i knew it was good i would heard singles and things but but it was just it just was on a different it just went a different direction than i kind of in my head was prepared for um and it was really it was beautiful and i and i, and I really oh, are you admired... talking about the sing? are you talking about the single now the... no i'm just talking about your music listening to your music in general and preparing oh, okay. for for today mm-hmm. like it was it's just you know and, and i do and i sort of said it before but i didn't really say it enough i think about listening to your first album and and you know the content lyrically may have changed somewhat but you've sort of stuck with the musical style and, and i quite really mm-hmm. I really admire that. I think I think that's someone who kind of knows what they want musically. And you, you're talking about, you know, you just gave us that little spiel about, you know, the Scottish band and making the music. Yeah. yeah one. And I feel, and I and I and you know, you've from from at least the fabulous Lemon Drops. It's you've been doing it for 15 years at least mm. with them, and it, and it mm. hasn't drifted off that much. And I think that's really good because. Well, I think it's really admirable because it, it it has presented you in in a position that I don't think is filled in children's music, and I think there mm. isn't. I think you've cut out your own niche. Um, so yeah, mate, thank you for taking the time and 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 filling yeah. us in just on a, a you know just a little scratch beneath the the lemon skin surface. So. <laughs> yeah, it's good to finally catch up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very nice. All right, mate, we'll take care and thank you. Yeah, we're very grateful and thank you. And, um, yeah, talk to you again soon. If you'd like to know more about Des and Vanessa, then head along to their website at www.fabulouslemondrops.com.au. And, of course, for more Benny Time goodness, head along to www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny, asking Des questions. 